0: Welcome to Spawn, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on
1: parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbener. And I'm Kristen Chase, and we are the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. On today's episode of Spawn, we'll be talking about the new generation of working mothers in America and where we are today with a super awesome guest, award-winning journalist and podcast host of The Double Shift... Catherine
0: Goldstein. And as always, we'll close out our show with our cool picks of the week and our cool podcast of the week. We'll be right back with our guest,
1: Catherine Goldstein, after this. This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Nick's Teen Period Underwear for Teens and NYX Leak Proof Underwear for Adults, both of which look and feel like regular underwear. They're super absorbent underwear that hold up to two tampons worth of liquid. Seriously. No more embarrassing leaks. Spawned listeners, you can save 15% off NYX or Nixteen Teen Leak Proof Underwear with code COOLMOMPICKS15. Go to NYX, that's K-N-I-X.com or nixteen K N I X Okay, so let me tell you a little more about our wonderful guest,
0: Katherine Goldstein, because she is a force. She's a mom to a three-year-old son, and she's the creator and host of the Double Shift podcast, which just wrapped its first season, and it's fabulous. It's the first reported podcast to focus exclusively on a new generation of working mothers treating the experience and identity of working moms with journalistic seriousness and curiosity. Each one is a different story from a group of moms who fought for paid leave at the New York Times, to the moms who work at the Money Ranch, Nevada's best-known legal brothel. And by background, Catherine's an award-winning journalist. She was a 2017 Neiman Fellow at Harvard University. You've heard of Harvard, Kristen. I have. You've heard I of have, indeed. She's the former editor of VanityFair.com, and she has a track record of conversations setting work around her expertise on working mothers, including the viral New York Times op-ed, The Open Secret of Anti-Mom Bias in the Workplace, an article that we will definitely talk about in this episode and a lot more. So welcome, Catherine. Thanks so much for having me. We are so glad to have you. I met you recently for the first time at an event about working motherhood co-hosted by our mutual friend Lauren Smith Brody of the fifth trimester. She was another spawned guest. We love her. That's when I realized that I actually first became aware of you from your op-ed in the Times, which was so viral. The open secret of anti-mom bias at work. We'll link it up on our podcast page so people can find it if they don't remember it word by word, like I do. (laughs) What was it like to have a piece that was basically like water cooler and social media talk for weeks afterwards? I mean, it was
2: pretty big. Thank you. Yes. When I wrote that piece, the idea I'd been mulling was why hasn't there been a Me Too movement for mothers? We were, you know, at the time and still very much in the throes of the Me Too movement. And my research showed there's so much bias and difficulties for working mothers. I was like, when are working mothers going to start speaking up? And so that question led to the op-ed. And the response I got to the piece was really unlike anything I had ever experienced as a journalist, I got hundreds of emails from people and people are still talking about it a year later. So I think it not only touched a nerve, but it hit an artery in terms of how so many mothers were feeling and putting sort of words to an experience that people didn't know was so universal. And
0: for those listeners who haven't read it yet, which you all should, can you just give us kind of the gist of the article about anti-mom bias at work? Sure, the idea is
2: that um, mothers face open bias in the workplace. and that can take many different forms from pregnancy discrimination to how we're viewed so basically there's a lot of studies and research that showed that mothers are judged more harshly for the same behavior as childless colleagues and this has a huge economic impact you know if you have a kid between the ages of 25 and 35 which of course are your prime childbearing years your earnings never recover there's just a lot of sort of economic and social situation in this country that really holds mothers back and I really wanted to explore that. And I think a lot of mothers have really experienced that, you know, not only taking leave, but also how they're treated in the workplace when they come back.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've talked about that a lot. It struck a nerve for a reason. I mean, it was really resonant and I'm so glad that we're talking about it. And now you got to kind of continue that conversation with your podcast. So was this the jumping off point for the podcast? Like, when did you come up with the
2: idea? So I was actually already working on the podcast when that op-ed came out. The podcast debuted in February of this year, 2019, but I've actually was working on it since January of 2018. So it was a very long runway to get the podcast out in the world. But interestingly, as that op-ed came out, I had been piloting the double shift with a big podcast company. And as that op-ed came out and I was getting like hundreds of emails and this overwhelming amount of feedback from people saying like, this work is so important. Keep doing what you're doing. How can I support you? What are you working on? Podcast executives were telling me that they didn't think there was enough that was interesting about being a working mother to make hmm. an entire show about it. Interesting.
0: <laughs> it's very meta,
2: <laughs> isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so this was all happening at the same time. I, in some ways, like, you know, that was a tough professional blow for me because my initial vision was that I wanted the double shift to you know, be on a big podcast network and sort of get all the resources and attention that comes with that. But the, the comments that I was getting from mothers about this work and about the op-ed was so powerful to me and it really, I think, fueled me to keep going when I felt like other people with power in the media industry didn't believe in this work.
1: And I'm so glad you did, because we make up a lot of the workforce. So this is very important stuff. And I'm wondering, just like in terms of the challenges and issues that you're seeing or that you have experienced maybe yourself, what do you think is the biggest one that's affecting working moms today? Or do you feel like it's different for the different types of moms? Uh,
2: You know, every situation is different, but I would say, the the two that really come to mind as the sort of biggest challenges, I think, that working mothers face is one, our workplaces are totally set up with the idea that it's still the 1950s Hmm. and that there's basically one kind of worker and it is a dude with no childcare responsibilities or caregiving responsibilities of any kind. And that's how workplaces are still set up mostly. And and, you know, that's white collar working and that's shift working. And you know, that's just not the case. 70% of mothers in America work and the workplaces, you know, a lot of them are fifty or more years behind the times. So I would say that is one huge part. And then the second is just the cost of childcare. The combination of those two things are really powerful hindrances to women's advancement in the workplace. And of course, like childcare is not just a women's issue, but too often uh, women are the ones that end up dropping out of the workforce or having to take step backs or work for less pay because of the cost of childcare.
1: And we're already making less. So then, <laughs> then we leave. And then like you said, we can't make up the difference. It feels like there's a lot of lose-lose and not a lot of win happening. That's depressing. I feel depressed a little. (laughs) I have to be honest. Well, I mean, I think what about this makes me not depressed is that people are finally talking
2: about this. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we're sort of looking at it in a systemic way instead of just seeing it as like, oh, this was my personal choice to drop out of the workforce, you know, saying like, this is part of living in a world that does not support mothers and does not help mothers thrive. What may have been seen as a personal choice is really part of a systemic failure. Getting people to see the big picture is actually really encouraging because we can't change anything if we think everything is our fault and it's just, you know, something that's just personal to us.
1: Can I ask you a question that isn't necessarily related to work, but it is in my mind, and that is, do the changes, right, that we need to see happen in the workplace need to happen in tandem with how we view parenting? Yes. You can infer what I'm talking about, but most of the falls on the woman. And then we're seeing issues of everything falling on the woman in the workplace. And I feel like there needs to be a shift in how we view parenting and co-parenting and all that stuff. If anything's going to happen in the workplace, do you see these as, you know, being together? Completely.
2: Something that I always say is the revolution at work will not happen until there's a revolution at home. Ah, Women will not achieve parity in all forms of society and workplaces and leadership and professions until we truly address inequality in the home. The generation of fathers who are becoming fathers and have young children are the most involved generation that we've ever had in America in terms of their hands-on childcare and their involvement. But if you look at the studies, this of course doesn't speak to every family. If you look at the studies, when both partners work full time, the woman still does more childcare and housework. And so men are are still, from a sociological perspective, not pulling their weight. Mm-hmm. And women cannot give so much to their careers when they are still doing so much at home.
0: And are you finding, from all the kinds of women you've interviewed, because I haven't listened to the whole season yet, but, you know, the brothel episode was fascinating. A lot of those were single moms. I loved episode three, which was the candidate who carpools, about women who are running for office and have young kids. So you're really looking at a variety of working moms. Do you feel like this is consistent? Did they all talk about a lack of parity and division of labor at home? They actually don't all talk about that. That's more of my inference. Interesting. The first season
2: of The Double Shift, we talk very little about partners, which is something that I think we definitely can explore in future seasons. Um, It was really important to me for the focus truly to be on mother stories and not making it about parenting and not making it about relationships. Like, I felt like I had a chip on my shoulder that when people told me that there wasn't anything interesting about mothers that I really wanted to focus on mothers and not bring in so many other people into that equation. And so I think there's a lot more to do there. Most of the women that I interviewed for the double shift would probably say they have very involved and supportive partners. But supportive is an interesting word, right? Yes, because it
1: supportive
2: supportive is, I don't know, it's like you're running a marathon and they're like handing you a cup of water. Like yes. <laughs> that is supportive, you know, mm-hmm. or they're cheering for you at the the finish line. But, you know, my feeling about, and I think the candidate who carpools, which was um, episode about Ashton Clemens, who ran for a state house seat in North Carolina with three little kids. She said like her husband does a whole lot and he had really stepped up his involvement and his parenting as she was running for office. But, you know, we actually had a really interesting moment in the episode that everyone brings up to me, which was, so we're doing the interview and her daughter accidentally got left at ballet by the babysitter. I
0: remember. <laughs> You're listening to it live as it happens. for the yeah. Who haven't yet listened to the double shift? It's like I mean, this is in the best possible way, kind of NPR like, like it's really like journalism with fascinating human interest stories about these people. And I'm listening in real time as this woman realizes her daughter is stuck at ballet and she's doing an interview and there's no one to pick her up. Right? <laughs> she's on a sitter out. So many
2: people bring up that moment because that moment is so real. I think every parent, every mother, has had a version of that moment in their life, maybe m- multiple ones in a day. I mean, that's just so real. And, you know, the idea of seeing up like a politician in that moment, I think, is a really different kind of thing. But she really talked about how, you know, she really felt like she couldn't offload the mental checklist. Even though her husband was doing so much, she was still organizing everything. And I actually really want to catch up with her because she won and she's now a state representative. And she's hinted at me that her husband has taken over in some new ways because she's like not at home for days at a time now. So I I think like she really felt like she couldn't give up this like mental load, the mental checklist. But I'm really curious as her life circumstances have evolved, like, if, has she been able to let go of some of those things? Oh,
0: that would be fascinating. Yeah. Like, I think what's so amazing about your podcast and why I was so taken with you when I first saw you in that interview was that you just have a real journalist's mind. You're constantly thinking of questions and where the story goes. And like, you bring such interesting things out of people. Like, everything I've heard so far has been riveting. Like, I binged it all. And like, one day when I was trying out my AirPods. <laughs> what I want to know is since there's so many fascinating interviews in your podcast. And unlike whatever Podcast Network told you that this was OneNote and that there weren't enough stories, I think there are tons of stories. So what are the particular interviews that have really opened your eyes to an issue or changed your view on something? And, and what's something you haven't done yet that you'd like to do?
2: Oh my gosh, I have learned so much from every interview of The Double Shift. And I feel like we spent a lot of time like listening to the interviews and editing them. So I actually feel like these characters are like features of my life as we sort of go through this process. Like, I feel like I spent a lot of time with them long after the interview is over. One of the ones that really comes to mind, because it was more recent, was episode nine. It's called Let's Talk About Sex, Baby, featuring a woman named Angelica Lindsay Ali, who is a mother of four and a black Muslim sex educator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she is an amazing person, an amazing storyteller. You know, part of her mission is to empower women and mothers especially to get in touch with their sexuality and their sort of right to pleasure as part of claiming their power. And she really believes that if you can assert yourself in the bedroom, then you can create revolution throughout the world. You need
0: to interview Kristen. She wrote a whole book about this called The Mama Nature. I did. That is
2: amazing. I definitely need to check this out. Well, you and Angelica would have so much to talk about. And we
0: have
1: four
2: kids each. Oh, my gosh. So
1: clearly we're living what we're preaching.
2: (laughs) She should be the next interview on Cool Mom
0: Picks. Actually, you know what? Maybe we'll reach out to her the second we're done with this one. She's an amazing
2: person. And what I learned from her, so I feel like right now we're living in the self-care industrial complex. (laughs) I'm really churning around some ideas about how we have turned the idea that mothers have human needs at all into this like commodified self-care and that like it's all about like if you buy these things or you get a facial or you spend money on things and that is self-care and i feel like angelica really like opened me up to thinking about like what is true self-care and what are the ways that women can really assert themselves and feel powerful so that some of the ideas that are really trendy about, like, what you need to do for self-care can fall away if you're really standing up for yourself in your everyday life. Like, the need to, like, assert your right to go to the bathroom by yourself without your kids banging on the door, like, no longer becomes an issue. She has really expanded my mind in a lot of ways. And also, yeah, I mean, I love the idea that, like, mind-blowing sex is really, like, the key to everyone's salvation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's all it is. That's it. Just a little sex. It hotter in the podcast closet. All of a yeah, sudden, yeah, it's getting hotter. I love that. I appreciate this reframing of the conversation about self care because I think it is such a genderized issue. Like, yeah, I I just don't feel like men talk about this. Liz and I have spoken about this before. Like, I really feel strongly that dudes and I don't want. I know we're, I'm being very binary right now, but dudes are like, we're going to play golf. I'm going out yeah. with my friends, and nobody blinks. Like it's just a thing. And when women into it, Especially Mothers it's like not only are we trying to figure out who's gonna watch our kids and how we're gonna fit this in and how We're gonna make it work, but we're also dealing with people who are like Oh, you're gonna spend time away from your kids and it may not be overt But I still feel like there are raised eyebrows out there when you decide that you are going to make an effort to Take care of yourself and that it just doesn't look like a manicure, which it could be a manicure But it's a much deeper process so yes. I appreciate that this whole thing about working mothers does lend itself to that deeper self-care issue. Can we talk a little bit about partners and husbands and spouses and all that too? Because we need allies, right? Like yes. we need people who are like, this is not right. Yes. How do we find them? How do we encourage them, right? And this is, I think, an issue that goes with any sort of culture that is suppressed or like a minority culture mm-hmm. in The world, right, is that we need allies. How do we ignite them? How do we get them to be like, this is wrong? When when this happens to women, this hurts us. I
2: think that's a really important question. In my reporting and in my own life experience, Like I feel very strongly that nobody's coming to stand up for mothers unless we get angry and stand up for ourselves. I don't think this happens by us being quiet in the corner and just waiting for people to acknowledge our rights in the workplace and our rights in relationships. Like I really think this has to come from us speaking up. I think this can start in how how we talk about and negotiate our home lives. And I I think that there are many men who are maybe objectively sympathetic to this idea, but they are not proactively doing half of the housework. All of these things have to come from renegotiating our own relationships and really opening people's eyes to this stuff. You know, like just today I was talking to a relatively powerful man in media who described the focus of the double shift as very narrow, and I was like, you know what? Actually, it's not because <laughs> there's just as many mothers in America who be interested in this podcast than like NBA sports. Like, no one says like the NBA sports is really niche. Right. Nobody says right. people who want to like review technology is really niche. (laughs) How many podcasts (laughs) like that are there out there? I mean, I just think that we have to disrupt these assumptions, and this isn't going to happen unless mothers speak up. Well, and
1: everyone has a mother, right? Right. Like, everyone yeah. has a mother. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. well, we I mean, we
0: got into parent blogging, writing about motherhood and our website 14 years ago. We've seen this from the beginning, where if you had mom in a website and there was a business story about it, it would go in the lifestyle yes. section, and if it had dad in the title, it would go in the finance section. Yes. We publish a, a channel called Cool Mom Tech, and we've had advertisers say, oh, well, we're not buying any mom sites now. We're like, it's a tech site yeah. for parents who buy tech. Moms live on tech because yeah. they're working moms. They're multitasking. It's how they connect with their families and see their home security systems and check in with the babysitter. And and there were so many clients, especially early on, who just said, I, don't, I just don't see it. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, no. And I think it's only really starting to change. I think there's still issues of getting real reporting about mothers in major outlets. Basically, it's all op-eds or personal essays. People aren't interested in actually doing, like, research and reporting and journalism that relates to mothers. And the same thing, like, oh, it's lifestyle. Oh, it's parenting. And I think, like, that's one of the things about the double shift that I say in the intro of the show, that it's not about parenting or kids. It's about us. Hmm. Because people couldn't understand (laughs) that there could be a whole podcast aimed at mothers that didn't talk about children. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. And, you know, we did an episode a few weeks ago. I talked to Sarah Berliner, who started Vote Like a Mother, and we had a fabulous discussion about the ways things are changing. And in part, you're seeing it now with the crop of Democratic candidates. Mm. There's many of them at this recording date (laughs) because we're early in the season. But we're hearing about mothers and motherhood and family leave like nonstop on the trail already. And that's something we didn't hear eight years ago, even. So I I do think it's starting to change. Like, that's why I was so taken, especially with your episode about the mom who was running for office, because I think the more we get women in positions of power, all kinds of power, but especially in politics where they can start talking about this day to day and it becomes part of civics, the more I think men are going to start to see how it impacts them and how it's got financial impact and that it matters. all of us. Well, I
1: hope it also impacts how we parent our boys. I know, Liz, you've got two girls. Catherine, you've got a son, and I have a son who's a tween, and I think that, I hope that this conversation not only is something that women and girls will talk about, but that we can also show that impact on how we parent our sons and how we point out the discrepancies and the disparities that, you know, like my son has three sisters, like how that will affect him and them. And also as a role model so they see what I'm doing and that I'm taking time for myself. Like, I'm leaving right now and I'm going to work on this and you're good. You can handle yourselves or, you know, your stepdad can handle you or whatever it is. I also feel like it's a call to parents as well to focus on how they're parenting their boys.
2: I I totally agree with that because so often we get into these conversations where it's like we need to be these role models for our daughters and I think it's just as important to be role models for our sons in what equal relationships are and how men can be involved in the home and what it means to be a uh an equal parent and co-parent and partner?
0: Um, You know, if we can move to something a little more personal. Sure. um, We discussed this a little bit. So on episode six on your podcast, without giving up too much away, or you can talk about as much as you want, it's basically an audio diary in real time about you juggling your own work family balance and trying to get the podcast off the ground and doing work projects at the same time, finding out you were pregnant and then things take a turn. And I just love how honest and raw and poignant and beautiful the whole thing is and how much I think it helps to destigmatize a lot of the feelings we have around pregnancy and the challenges of pregnancy. Can you talk a little bit about making that episode? Sure. I was learning how to do audio work as I was getting the
2: podcast off the ground and I just started making recordings about my life and 90% of them weren't particularly interesting. Um, They were just like, okay, here's what I'm doing. Here's what happened. We moved from New York to North Carolina and I thought it would be mostly about you know moving transition and like getting the podcast off the ground. Over the course of making this, I discovered I was pregnant a little unexpectedly, and at the same time, I felt like I was sort of at this like pivotal moment and beginning in my career with getting the podcast off the ground and getting it piloted with a big podcast company. And I went on to have a miscarriage, and all of that was documented in real time through this audio documentary, and. You know, I had so much angst about releasing this episode because the rest of The Double Shift, I think, very much has my point of view, Um, but I'm not sort of like... You're not the story. (laughs) I'm not the center of the story because there's so many interesting women, and I don't privilege my experience over any other woman's experience in The Double Shift, and so I'm not the central character of any of the other stories of The Double Shift, and so I had a lot of anxiety about it, and I'm also not a big social media sharer, and I had mentioned having a miscarriage in an op-ed that I wrote, but I'm... I just I had a lot of anxiety and I think if you listen to the episode you can understand why because it's very unfiltered and it really sort of feels like you're in my brain and it felt very vulnerable to me. I'm not I'm not someone who has like really strong like faith traditions and I feel like for me the idea that my suffering would help other people who are suffering gives like my tough experience meaning to me. Like I, I don't necessarily like think like everything happens for a reason or like you know there's some necessarily a higher plan in difficult experiences. But to me, my religion is journalism. And so (laughs) I felt like, you know, sharing that story would be powerful. And I think it really did resonate powerfully with people who have had miscarriages and have felt really alone and also women who've had a human body who have gone through pregnancy or just gone through difficult experiences and have had conflicts between work and family. And I, I think I did tap into something and I did hear from a lot of people about that that episode meant a lot to them.
0: Yeah, I mean, on a personal note, I just really appreciated how honest your subjects have been in your other interviews and then how honest you were here. And I I really think that talking about things like that helps to destigmatize all the issues that we feel we can't talk about,
1: especially at work, to get back to the point of the double shift. Absolutely. I just read The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And one of the things she points out is that we need to tell our stories as a way to combat shame and guilt, as a way to live authentically and to help challenge other People because when you open yourself up and you are vulnerable like that, it's kind of Pandora's box on the flip side, right? It's like a beautiful invitation to people to then share of themselves and to feel connected and heard themselves, even if they don't reach out to you. I feel like when you're able to do that, and that was very brave to do, I I believe that it allows other people to be heard. So thank you so much for doing that. That's not easy by any means. Liz and I have both at different levels shared many things on the web and we know how. That can be, so. And I'm
0: glad you got positive feedback. Yes, <laughs> that's true. That's very that's true. Because that's the scariest part of all. <laughs> So let's end on a positive note here. What are the silver linings? What's getting better for working moms right now? So
2: I'm actually optimistic that a lot of things are getting better for working moms. Like, I don't know if I could keep getting up and doing this if I didn't think things were getting better. You know, one of the things I was reflecting on that op-ed that we talked about at the beginning of this conversation, asking, you know, when are moms gonna start standing up and saying that we shouldn't be treated in this way? That happened a year ago. And I sort of took stock of, there's been a lot more examples of mothers standing up for themselves. There's a lot more examples of mothers suing their employers. There's been some great work in the New York Times about a bunch of different industries where people are willing to go on the record to sort of talk about their experiences. And I actually do feel like mothers are now saying moms too. And that has changed even in the course of a year in terms of public cases about pregnancy discrimination or discrimination in the workplace. So that I find really heartening. Even when I became a mother, almost. four years ago, I think that there was not the same kind of conversation going on about the challenges that mothers face in the workplace and what those realities are. I didn't know any of those things, honestly. And I feel like there's been a whole new opening about what is and isn't okay in workplaces and how workplaces need to get better that wasn't even as alive even four years ago.
0: That's very encouraging, and I'm glad to hear that. Since we are both working moms, yes. <laughs> and we have a lot of working moms listening, so I think that's great. And I'm really excited to share your podcast with our listeners. I really hope you guys will take a listen to The Double Shift. So let us know where can we find you if we want to hear more.
2: You can find The Double Shift wherever you listen to podcasts. Thedoubleshift.com is our website with all sorts of great info. You can sign up for our newsletter there. Um, we also have a membership program that you can support The Double Shift and get bonus content. We're actually launching a community community, a private community for moms this summer for the Double Shift, and that's five dollars a month. The Double Shift Instagram is a wonderful place. I recommend it. It's the double shift. And then you can find me on Twitter at K-G-E-E-E.
0: You are everywhere, basically. I'm so easy to find. People are like, how can I find (laughs) you? I'm like, just turn on the computer. You can find me. That's awesome. Well, it seems like the double shift on Instagram is the main place to go.
1: So that's fantastic. We're all on Instagram. Awesome. All right. So we are going to come back with our cool picks of the week right after this. So Kristen, we are
0: so lucky to welcome a brand new sponsor and we love when our sponsors are the kind of stuff that we spend our own money on anyway before they were sponsors.
1: <laughs> I know. So we are welcoming NYX, that's K-N-I-X, period underwear. Like knickers, like knickers. It's ah, cute. Yes. Knicks, knickers. very nice. And Nix yeah. Teen, they actually make these period underwear for teens. I have bought them. I have actually bought them a second time because my dog loves to chew underwear, but that's a whole Oh, other no. show. <laughs> well,
0: you know, you can get 15% off with code cool picks 15 if you need some more, but we'll get to that yes, in a minute. <laughs> I love these. So what do you like about it? Because I know you've been talking about these for a while. Okay. So here's
1: the thing. They're super absorbent underwear, right? So they can hold up to two tampons worth of liquid and that's great. So you actually can wear them without anything. I have done that myself. But what I also love about them is that they're great for a backup. You never have to worry about an embarrassing accident. I don't know. I'm raising my hand. It has happened to me more than one time. I have an IUD in. Full disclosure, getting a little TMI here. So the first day of my period. It's not
0: TMI. Actually, one of the things I like about this company is they want to kind of destigmatize, talk about our bodies and our periods and our cycles. And so you go with your IUD. Well, the first
1: day, ladies out there who've got a Paragard IUD know the first day, I call it the vampire death. (laughs) you know what? I always have my period underwear on with other things so you can wear them alone, but if you've got a heavy flow you can wear them with other things and then you don't have to worry about leaks and I don't know about you Liz, but like when I was a teenager I would never wear white shorts like I would never wear white pants because I was always afraid of a leak. Even like thin jeans can be scary in the summer and shorts like that creep
0: up. Yeah, so I'm with you. And we just got a pair. They sent us one. Thank you. And even though I haven't tried it yet because it just came. They're really nice. They're like uh, fancy, like nice kind of stretchy, comfy underwear. They just look like regular underwear. Very sleek. They even have thongs. Did you know that? Yes. They have thongs and boy shorts and briefs and bikinis, like all sorts of styles. They're really, they're good. They're a good product. Yeah, they
1: have something for everyone and they actually have a no-stink technology that fights odor and keeps the fabric fresh. You are a fount of information
0: about NYX and NYX
1: teens. This is true. I just love that you're just reeling off all these copy points. Well, you know (laughs) what? <laughs> because I love them. And, you know, these are the questions that people ask us when it comes to period underwear. If you raise an eyebrow and you're like, period underwear? These are the things that people want to know. And they also want to know that you can save 15% off leak-proof underwear if you go to Nix. that's K-N-I-X dot com, or you go to NYX Teen, K-N-I-X Teen dot com, you use the code Picks 15 you'll save 15% off. Make sure you order before July 31st, two thousand. 19. Okay, it's time for Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! And Catherine, you are our guest. What's your pick? Okay, I
2: am going to pick the new lizzo album because i love you have you all heard it no no okay
1: okay first of all i'm impressed i don't think we've had a lot of music picks on here and every time someone shares something like that i feel like if i listen to it i'm going to be so much cooler because i've never heard of it before <laughs> i'm not a
2: cool music person at all i this is all osmosis basically but this album exudes power and it makes me Ooh. feel powerful to listen to it. So one of the cool things about Lizzo is that she was a rapper for a long time, but she's like, this album was a really big hit. And so, do you know, like, a lot of times with musicians and, like, stars, they're like, oh my gosh, they're like, they're on the scene, like, they're brand new. But really, she's been at it for, like, 10 years. It's just like, uh, this is yes. the third album. Yes. And it's the, right, the 10-year b- yeah. overnight <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's just like, <laughs> out of nowhere, where'd she come from? This is incredible. But, like, she's been, like, working really hard for 10 years. So this is her album, you know, this is, she's been at it for nine years or whatever, 10 years. And it's so amazing. Like, it's taken all her work to the next level. And I find that really inspirational. And I want the Double Shift season two to be like the new Lizzo album.
1: Awesome. And it's called Cause I Love You. Yes. All right. And we will link up all of our cool picks of the week over on our Cool Mom Picks podcast page. So you don't have to memorize or grab a pen when you are driving. Please don't do that. Yes. And <laughs> this is the album for power. Okay. <laughs> album for power. All right. Well, speaking of Awesome power. My pick of the week are the amazing pride gifts that support Yay! the LGBTQ plus communities through awesome causes and organizations. Liz did a fantastic roundup. Obviously, June is Pride Month. And I just we were texting back and forth today because I was like, oh my God, the Rainbow Philas. And then I'm like, <laughs> the Rainbow Converse. I'm like, I am gonna bankrupt myself buying all these things. So be sure to check this. Out again, we're going to link this up, but they are the coolest gifts. I actually did. I bought those rainbow feelers. You did? They're <laughs> fabulous. They're awesome. They're available through uh, the Fluid Project. Yes, they support fantastic causes. So that's my pick. What about you, Liz? So, you know, I love tikis sandals. Yes, I'm you do. I have I yes. have
0: them literally as I stand here in the podcast closet, I can count numerous tikis. <laughs> all around me. They're like the best sandals ever. I've talked about them before. This year, they finally came out with waterproof sandals. The other ones are leather. And they are everything. I'm so excited because they're like still narrow and stylish and look like cute, fancy leather flip flops. But- They're waterproof, they're rubber, and they're like 25 bucks each. They look amazing, much better than like the kind of shower shoe-looking Javianas that we used to wear. I love them. Anyway, we have them on our site as well, and we will link that up too.
1: And we've got another cool podcast of the week. It's like Podcast Central here. We've got The Double Shift, which you can subscribe to right now as you're listening, and also a podcast we love called Edit Your Life with hosts Christine Coe and Asha Dornfest, who we've known Asha going back to the very first blogger conference we attended. And then we met Christine soon after. They are the most wonderful human beings. So it's no surprise that their podcast, Edit Your Life, is as thoughtful and helpful and as smart as they are. Liz, they cover a lot of stuff, right? I know. I know. Like how to get your kids to do chores. There's
0: conquering procrastination. They have an episode on learning how to get better at saying no, which it was a big one for me. It's really good. And basically everything Spawn listeners love hearing about. So subscribe to Edit Your Life with Christine Coe and Asha Dornfest. It's a really good podcast. All right. Well, that's it. What a great episode. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode
1: of Spawned. And huge thanks, as always, to our fabulous engineer, John Bowen. We love hearing from you. We'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks so much to those of you who have left new ones recently. We really, really appreciate it. Yay!
0: I'm clapping for you. You've got actual (laughs) clapping. Yay. Thank you for leaving us reviews. And hey, make sure you subscribe. In fact, you can do it right now. Just pick up your phone or device or whatever you're listening on and just click
1: that little subscribe button and like it's done. It's the easiest thing you can do with your phone all day. Yep. And you can also download or save our episodes. And of course, Don't forget, we've got a Spawned podcast community on Facebook. You can find it through the link on our podcast page or you go to Facebook and search Spawned podcast community and it will pop up. We'd love to have you. We chat about everything on the show, things that aren't on the show. It's a fun group. It's low key, which is what we're all about. So come on over and join us. Thanks so much for listening to Spawn. This is Liz. And this is Kristen. Have a great day. Bye.